Is God good? You know, we um, sometimes, uh, if you've been in church a long time, there's a few things stirring in my heart before I get into the Word. But if you've been in the church for a while or you've been around church for a while, there's a couple things that, that, that go on that um, you experience in church. And if you're not spirit-filled, if you're not filled with God's spirit, you're going to observe with human reason and you're not going to understand the things of God. It is impossible to know God without his spirit. It's impossible to know his ways without his spirit. So if all you're doing when you come and experience God is observe, you're going to think God is false because the way man presents God is they present him in a building with chairs and some music. And you would think that that's experiencing God. But the truth is, you can do all those things and God not be in the midst. Is that true or false? You can raise your hands and praise to God and he won't listen. You can give your money to the church and he won't see it. There's so many things that you can do as a Christian, quote unquote, and it will appear as though you know God, but the truth is God doesn't know you. That's why in the end of time, when people come before the Lord, they're going to say, I've done these things in your name. And you will say it too. Even if there's people in here who are lukewarm, and maybe you've been riding the fence, or maybe you're online and you've been riding the fence. And that's, I'm not being judgmental. It's just what it is. There's unbelievers, there's lukewarms, and then there's those that are spirit-filled. It's just the way that it is. Amen. Amen. And if you're lukewarm, you're going to struggle here. Because when you stand before the Lord, you're going to say, but I went to church. But so-and-so told me. The pastor said, and you're going to blame every, it's just the knee-jerk reaction. Have you ever caught somebody in, that was lying? <laughs> We're all laughing because we probably got, you ever catch them in the lie? And you know they're lying. And they will lie to your face. You caught them. Huh? I was just walking, I was just, and then when they know they're caught, watch this, this is crazy. And, and I'm going to talk to the ladies. I'm going to talk to the ladies. Okay, I'm going to get the guys in trouble. I don't want to get in trouble with the ladies. But watch this. You caught him. And he's lying to you. Or you know a friend. Let's just say you got a friend that this is going through. And he's lying to you. And you caught him. And he's lying to you. And then finally he confesses. You're right. You got me. And here's what happens. Listen to the heart of the Lord. Listen to what God is revealing right now. Here's what they do. But I've been good to you. At least I'm not doing this. At least I'm not doing, man, I'm speaking to the heart of people right now because you know what? The anointing of God is here. Amen. This isn't a church that's trying to get bodies and seats. This is a church trying to get Christ in people. Amen. And so when you listen to what I'm saying right now, you know this is true. What do they do? Man, I've been good to you. I work. I provide. At least I'm not back in the hood. At least I'm not back at the bar. At least I'm not back beating you like I used to. Hey, I've gotten better. And they will defend themselves in order to avoid whatever's to come. What are you going to do when you stand before the Lord? Some of us, I'm telling you right now, some of us think, uh, I, I wouldn't say no, you will. By knee-jerk reaction, you're going to go to God and say, have mercy on me. And there will be no mercy at that time. See, 
The problem with humanity, this is the second thing the Lord was stirring in me during this whole time before I get in the word. The problem with humanity, I don't care what your background is. You might be culturally proud. You're like, man, I'm Mexican. I'm white. I'm black. You know, whatever it is, you might be culturally proud. I don't care what background you come from. You still got flesh. You still have sin. Greed is greed. It doesn't choose where it's going to. It's in your flesh. Are you listening? Self-preservation is in everybody here. So when we stand before the Lord, what are we going to say? The truth is you're going to try to defend yourself. But look, listen to what I'm going to say. The problem with humanity, the second thing, is you look too much at your past or you look too much at your future. You never want to look at yourself in the mirror right now. You always want to act you're better than where you were or you're going to be better where you're going, but you don't want to deal with your condition now. And that's a trick of the enemy that he would want you to talk about your past so much or talk about your future so much that you never deal with now because now is always now. And now is what suffers when you're doing that. You know what I'm saying? Now is suffering when you're focused on the past or the future. But what about now? Right here, right now. And you come into a place, a building where God has chosen to place the word. God has chosen to place us here. You know, this was supposed to be a, tr a strip club. There probably would have been, well, this stage wasn't here. We built the stage, but there might have, there might have been a pole there or over there when you walk in. God chose for us to be here to preach the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel. Think about the, you're going to think I'm stretching here, but I'm not. Because God didn't want it to be so, a place where women stripped off their clothes. He wanted it to be a place where man stripped off the world. Both naked, one before people, one before God. And I'm going to tell you, you came into a place where the Lord sees everything. You are not here by accident. And I don't care how many times you've heard that in the past at other churches. Today is a different day. You walked into a place that is saturated in prayer. You walked into a place that has, that has been a lot of cost in order to be here. People have given up their lives in order that you might hear the truth. You didn't walk into a place with a black backdrop and lighting and flash and smoke. No, you walked into a place where the spirit of the living God's going to convict the heart. And there's not going to be a message where I tell a story about myself for an hour. But you're going to get the word of God that's going to penetrate your, your thoughts, your mind, and the very existence of who you are. And it's being presented before all of us now. So those are the two things that were really ministering to me. Um, some people are going to come and they'll never come back. It's okay. That's been happening since the beginning of time. Jesus was preaching to people and some stayed and many left. But this isn't about who stays and goes. This is about where God goes. Because watch what I'm about to say. Somebody might stay, man, I feel the spirit of God. I got to hold my, myself back from speaking in tongues right now. My goodness. Some of us are here and you stay and you will stay. But that isn't the mark that God is in you. Because there's going to be many people who leave, but God will be with them. And, they may, and I may never see them again until I get there. Mission accomplished. The world, ha the world has created a church system where they've tried to uh, uh, use clever tactics in order to provoke the hearts of people. They give away big screen TVs. They give away movie tickets. They give away prizes. And they'll try to get you to stay in the seat. 
God has never needed help to get somebody where he wants them. As a matter of fact, the way you will know it's God is when all of that is stripped away and you find people saying, give me the Lord. It's when you take away all of the flash and you take away all of the stuff that the world offers and they still want Christ. Amen. So as I woke up this morning and God being who he always is, I had already prepared a message on God's mercy, the first one of, that I thought was going to be the first message on God's mercy. And the Lord woke me up this morning and said, no, I want this to be the first message on my mercy because I need you to lay the foundation of what my mercy is. Because we could talk about mercy and how many of you guys have heard messages on mercy before, the mercy of God. And when the, when the message of the mercy of God is given to you, it's usually catering to your addiction, your failure, Right? Usually you only see the part of it where it's poured out on forgiveness. But mercy, if you only see it as a time of I've messed up, I'm sorry, and now I'm back right with God. If you only see mercy that way, you're being robbed of what mercy really is. That's a, that could be a form of it, but the true mercy of God is greater than just your mistake. And I hope you could see that today when we walk through this message. God said, Go to 1 Peter chapter 1. So I want you to go there. 1 Peter chapter 1. As you can see, I don't have any notes. So we're going to see what the Holy Spirit wants to say today. Amen? Amen. But we're going to read through 1 Peter chapter 1. Father, I come before you right now. I pray in the name of Jesus that as we ready our hearts, that you would quicken us, that we would receive the truth, Father, that we would come and gain understanding spiritual understanding. Open the eyes of our hearts, Lord, and give us wisdom. Wisdom to change. Wisdom to transform. Wisdom to be renewed. Wisdom to surrender. Wisdom to worship. Wisdom to pray to you. Because some of us don't know what we ought to pray. But wisdom, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So before we begin reading, I just want you to say this with me. Let's go ahead and say our, the, the declaration with, together. You're not going to repeat after me and say, you ready? I confess with all my awareness, with all my understanding that I need God. Right there, just stop. Just stop. Immediately, your flesh is going, what's going on? Why are we, why are we saying this? What's this? Well, you didn't second guess the Star Spangled Banner. You didn't second guess the Pledge of Allegiance, did you? So do you have an allegiance to God where it's less of me, more of you? Is that your allegiance to God? Not my will, but your will. So let's say it again. I confess with all my awareness, with all my understanding that I need God. Without him, I can do nothing. Without him, I can be nothing. Without him, I am nothing. Without him, I have no way. I have no truth. I have no life. Through Christ, I find freedom. Through Christ, I find peace. Through Christ, I can do all things. He did not create me for earthly pleasure. That's the next one. No, it isn't. I thought it was. I tried to get ahead of him. I was made with purpose. I was made with a plan. My purpose is to know God, and his plan is to know me. He did not create me for earthly pleasure, but I was created only because he is loving. By knowing that, I now confess my life is not my own. I don't belong to me. I belong to God. 
And so I surrender. I surrender my thoughts. I surrender my will. I surrender my life. As long as now is now, I will choose to live for God. And more importantly, I choose to let God live through me. In Jesus' name, amen. You know why people have a problem with saying that? Because they want to live. I like the things that I have in this life. I don't want to give up the things of this life. I like it. Can't I have them both, Tony? Don't ask me the question. Ask God. What does God say? You can't serve two masters. You either love one or you hate the other, or you hate one and despise the other, or love one and despise the other. There is no loving God in the world, my brothers and sisters. It doesn't work. And for some of us, we just... We struggle with believing that because you would rather chase the dangling carrot than eternal life. You really want the things of this life to work. And even some of us that have been believers for a while, we know we've struggled with that as believers. God wants me to have nice things. Why? Where does that thought come from? Where does that thought come from? Because God has something even greater than nice things for you. He has eternal life. The riches of Christ. So if you're so consumed with the nice things in the world, what makes you think that you can be consumed with Christ at the same time? It doesn't work. Amen? And I know I've done this before, this small little test, but just to ready our hearts, I want you just to start counting to 100 out loud. Just one, two, three. Just go ahead. Go ahead. Keep counting. Now, while you're counting, keep counting. Start saying ABCs in your mind at the same time. Just do them at the same time. You really tried. He was like, one, A, two, B, three. B. You can't do it at the same time. It's impossible. But we sure will try. And there were some of us in here that was like, I'm not even going to try because I know I can't do it. But you can't do both. You can't love the world and love God at the same time. And the person who is lukewarm or the unbeliever will, will look at me right now, and I'll take the, I'll take the, the hits right now. You're self-righteous, man. Okay, well, what about you? I don't mind being called anything because the Lord knows where I stand, and I have to answer to him at the end of the day, and I'm, not gonna, I'm definitely not going to preach a, a compromising message, one that says that, yeah, God wants to bless you to give you a Lexus. I'm not preaching that message. And you and I both know that sounds foolish. So... So you can say to me that I'm being self-righteous. You don't know me. And I, I extend the invitation. Come barbecue with me. Come to my backyard. We'll hang out. We'll fellowship. We'll barbecue. If you don't come, what does that say about you? Because I ain't got no problem. I'm not hiding anything. We could just have it out. We'll pro probably end up making a good friend. I hope so. I make a good ribeye. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, I, I, I look at it and I say, why are we so quick in the lukewarm phase to point, the, point at the man of God or the woman of God and question where they are when you know very well where you are. And why wouldn't you take the opportunity? Let's say I wasn't who you, whatever you think I am. What does that have to do with you and God anyway? You should still be searching for the Lord and saying, I, I shouldn't be loving my job. I shouldn't be loving my money. You may have to go work, but you shouldn't be of it. You might be in it. You shouldn't be of it. Amen. It shouldn't have such a grip on you that you're willing to sell your salvation for it. I know that's hard to hear, but they don't preach like this anymore because they're afraid that people are going to leave and never come back. But that, and that will happen. But those who are called by God will get salvation. And they're going to be, it's a beautiful relationship when you have fellowship with people who are really living for God. We know that we don't deserve this. Amen?
So I just felt like I needed to share that the unbeliever, they're going to mock God. They're not going to, they're not even going to reverence God. They're just going to say, God's not real. You guys are all cuckoo, right? You're all crazy. So I'm not worried, really too concerned about that because God's the one that took us from being unbelieving and brought us to believers. We did not earn that. Amen. Anybody in here earn that? You took enough classes. You were like, there it is. Now I'm spirit filled. We didn't bring ourselves to this. Amen. You know what that's called? It's called mercy. Say mercy. Mercy. The mercy of God, and I just want to lay this out right now. We're going to start reading the scripture so you can see it. The mercy of God is the plan of God. It's the, it's the eternal plan of God that from the beginning of time, God, before the foundations of the world, before the world was created, said, I'm going to die for you. Meaning, I'm going to make a way where there seems to be no way. I'm going to, I'm going to put myself in a human body, and I'm going to die for you. That was the plan from the beginning. That's why we see the mercy of God is in the face of Jesus Christ. Do you see that? That the mercy of God is in the person of Jesus Christ. That means it was a plan from the beginning. Well, did he come? Did he die? Did he raise again? Do you believe it with all your heart? Okay, so is he coming? See, you got to believe that too. See, we're in a privileged position in time where we get to see it. We look back and we see the prophets that they prophesied. We see that Jesus actually came. We see that he actually fulfilled all of the prophecy that, set, that was there for him to fulfill. And we also see that the prophets after him, the apostles, preached of his resurrection. So we are looking from a very privileged place. We could have been, been born in the time of Sodom and Gomorrah, but we weren't. We were born now and we are in a very privileged position. But it's also a heavy one because you can't ignore it either. It's not like you never seen rain and you told Noah, you're crazy. What's rain? You're crazy. No, you see and you hear and you've heard the testimony and you're looking at somebody who's been transformed by the Lord. So all the evidence is present before you and you are accountable for this. You see that? So the mercy of God is the plan of God. Jesus is coming back. Amen. That's called mercy. In 1 Peter chapter 1, it starts with this. And I want to start in verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I just want to, when I read this um, this morning, I was like, man, do we really wake up and say that? Like, do we wake up and say, all praise to God? Or do we wake up worrying about ourselves? Lord, may you quicken us so when we wake up, we say all praise to God, that you are the first and the last out of everything that we do. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy, say great mercy. It's his great mercy. So even if you show mercy, if you truly show mercy to somebody, they slapped you in the face and you gave them the other cheek or you did something that, you know, Jesus would do, that glory goes to God because you could not do that as a man. I'm sorry, without Jesus, anybody come up and smack me, I smack you back. That's just what it is without Jesus. I didn't have mercy in the world. Growing up, I didn't care who it was. If you disrespected me, we fought. But in Christ, you will allow yourself to be disrespected, ridiculed, talked about, lied on, hit, beat, 
All of it. Because you know they don't know what they're doing because you didn't know what you were doing. Amen? So it's a great mercy. The mercy that you show is only an overflow of the mercy God shows. You don't own mercy. You're not a merciful person. You're selfish. God is merciful. Amen. Great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. Do you see that? We live with what? So when you're not looking for the coming of Jesus, you're not living with great expectation. You're living with uh, fragile expectation because you're putting your hope in what is fading away. Are you listening to that? You're looking at your, 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 uh, your cabinets are empty. The food's not there. Your fridge is empty. The food's not there. And you would look at that and that would be the thermometer, the dictator of how you live. Oh my God, what are we going to do? Well, what'd you do the last time? God provided, amen? <laughs> what'd you do the last time? You complained, you stomped, you cried, you wailed, and then boom, somebody showed up with groceries. Somehow something came through and clearly you're not starving, brothers and sisters. I don't see somebody in here starving. But have we been through hard times? Has there been times when you're scraping, you're eating only top ramen? You're like, man, I would love a ribeye right now. I think I might take him up on that. But, but there's been times of scarcity and you cry out because your eyes are on the scarcity. But how many times does God have to show you that his mercy endures forever? How many times does he have to show you that his mercy is over your life? Now, I would say to you, I would say to you that not everybody in here is called. There are some of us, I mean, literally, even as I'm preaching, it's like, shut up. Quiet down, bro. Why are you yelling? Oh, yeah, God knows the thoughts of man. You would say to yourself, this is ridiculous. I can't take it. You know, you're not even giving God a chance because he's hardened your heart. You think you're sitting there hard. The Lord has taken his mercy off of you. That's why you can't feel his mercy or see his mercy. And hopefully by that awareness, you would say, Lord, have mercy. Amen. It ain't me that you're fighting against. I'm just a glove on a hand. It's the Lord you're fighting against. It ain't me. Man looks on the outward appearance. They see this guy's bald head, he got a beard. He's got, he got all kinds of passion. He's whatever, got tattoos. And you would look at that, and because your eyes are on scarcity, trust me, I, can't, I cannot provide for you. The Lord is saying, take your eyes off the temporary. Fix your eyes upon me. Listen to what my spirit is telling you. Do not love the world. And if right there you go, oh, glory to God, because that's called the conscience. That's called the conscience that God is waking you up. <laughs> right? Like he's splashing water. He's trying to get your attention. And he, listen to what I'm about to say. He doesn't do it with effort. He does it with timing. He does it with timing. He's been knocking on your heart's door for a long time. Watch this. Man, Lord, <laughs> mercy. Now, we live with great expectation. 
And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you. It's kept where? Where is it? See, you got to see this. You got to see this. He's, now, I'm just going to go back. All praise to God, the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy. You see that? By his great mercy that we have been born again because God rose Jesus from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. Do you see this? Why? Because an inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Every born again believer should have a burning desire to be with the Father now. You should be in your heart saying, I cannot, I wish it was today. You mean a place with no tears? A place with no pain? You mean I get to be with Jesus forever? The Lord, I get to be with the Father. There should be a burning desire in you, whether faint or not. It's still a burning desire in you for the coming of Christ. Part of the reason why many of us don't even know this message exists is because they've watered down the messages so much and they've made it so much about your temporary life that you don't even, you don't even know how to love when Jesus comes back. Matter of fact, it goes over your head. You're like, dude, say something relevant. This is the most relevant message you'll ever hear. It's the most relevant message. It'll never change. It'll always be the same. The mercy of God is upon you. And he's knocking on your heart's door and he's saying, don't look at what's fading. And it will be relevant tomorrow when what's fading disappoints you. And it'll be relevant the next day when what's fading disappoints you. Because what is fading will disappoint you. But this will never disappoint you. Amen. Let's keep going. There is an inheritance from heaven. It's in heaven. It says what? For you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. Now, this ain't me. I didn't write this Bible. I'm reading it, but I didn't write it. Don't get mad at me for preaching it, please. Watch this. And through your faith, God is what? Come on. God is what? He's doing it. He's protecting you. By his power until what? You receive this salvation. Until you receive the salvation, which is ready. It's ready. There's nothing that needs to be finished there. Your prize in Christ is ready. It's waiting for you now. It's done. There's nothing that needs to be added. He went. He prepared. It's waiting. Watch this to be revealed at the last day for all to see. Now, I told you I wanted, I felt the Lord was telling me you need to lay the foundation of mercy because people think mercy is, I messed up, forgive me. That's not mercy. Mercy is greater than that. It's that, it's that the plan of God before you messed up. And right now, when I say this, I want to make this clear for everybody online and anybody in here who may not be walking with the Lord, this isn't pertaining to you. If you're not walking to the, with the Lord, this doesn't pertain to you. If you're not walking with the Lord, let me tell you what pertains to you. There's only one measure of mercy that God has given you. It's that you might come to the Lord. And that's only going to come if God draws your heart. You can't even pick, get up and choose him right now. He has to draw you. There needs to be a humility that is shown through that. I did not bring myself to this place. You brought me here first and foremost. So the, the, the only thing that pertains to you if you're an unbeliever is you're under a curse, man. My sister, you're under a curse because you don't have Christ. And the Bible is clear 
that anybody who doesn't have Christ is under a curse. You're a slave to your sinful nature and you know it. You're a slave to your flesh and you know it. You think evil thoughts towards the people you say you love. And you know it. So you're under a curse, which now let me talk to my brothers and sisters of the faith. We all got freed from. That's why we celebrate, right? Because now when the evil thoughts come, we know what they are. We know who they are and where they come from. And they don't rule us anymore. Amen. You need to receive this because the mercy of God is the plan of God. That before time, to my brothers and sisters who are believers, he set up mercy for you. So when you fall, it's like having a safety net. If you were to be a tumbler and you do one without a safety net, that's risky. Well, God didn't leave you like that. He said, I'm going to give you mercy. Go ahead, start flipping, start flying, do what you want to do. But when you fall, I will catch you because I have made a covenant with you. It's not that you made a covenant with me. It's that I have made a covenant with you. And since you belong to me, all things will work. All things will work together for you. I will keep you when you can't keep yourself. I will draw you. I will give you conviction. I will give you the Holy Spirit that will give you a guilty conscience when you do wrong. You will not love your sin anymore, yourself anymore. And for everybody who has that reward, Oh, we are all, we're like, we did not earn this. We did not earn this. So watch this, verse 6. So be truly glad. Are you glad this morning? There is a wonderful joy ahead. Oh, man. I pray that we get this more. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Now, we like a little while, right? If we're going to have to endure some hardships... We like those words, a little while. If I'm going to have to endorse something, give me some trouble, make it be a little while, Lord. Amen? You know what the problem is? We don't know what a little while is. A little while to me is like seconds. You, you know, I don't like needles. You better hurry up. I don't, don't leave that needle in my arm. Don't torment me. We think a little while is like that. Your lifespan is a little while. Can I say amen to that? Your lifespan is a little while. The scriptures are very clear. Your life is like a vapor. It's like a vapor. It's, it's like the gust of the wind. It just goes. It's gone. You don't, it's here and it's gone. Two years ago when my mother died, she was 58 years old, died from stage four cancer. And I'll never forget it because it was in that moment I realized again, not that I didn't know it before, but again, life is a vapor. She's not here. She's with the Lord. Glory to God. I'm trying to get to where she's at. That's why you, that's why you don't see me mourn over my mother because she's alive. How should I say it? She's alive. I, I don't know how to say it to get people to understand. She's alive. She's living with the Lord right now. Why would I mourn? Because you're human, brother. Yeah, that's true. But I am born again. I have a life in Christ that never disappoints. Never. And no, I'm not curling up in a ball at night when no one's around crying over my mom. I just, I just, I'm getting, the Lord's revealing me things. That's why I'm saying it. I celebrate. I mean, if you want to know that too, come stay the night. 
she's alive. Amen. My heart also mourns for a cousin of mine who was burned alive over a pound sack of weed and did not know the Lord. That I truly mourn for. And I mourn for my family who doesn't know Christ. This isn't all bells and whistles. This is real. Amen? A little while. Your life is a little while. Anybody ever lost a loved one in here? Like that, right? Anybody ever be, remember being three, four, five years old? Remember when you used to steal your, 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 your brother's or your sister's cereal? Or the milk for the cereal and left them without? I, yeah, I had that happen to me. I'm speaking from a personal place. But, but how quickly? How quickly did it go? Do you remember getting upset because they, ladies, when you were little and you had a sister and they used your makeup or whatever time? You remember getting upset? You still upset about it? There'd be a problem if you are. How quickly did it go? How about this? You came in at 10 o'clock. How quickly did it go? Your life is a vapor. You better thank God that I'm telling you this. And I'm not bringing up R2-D2 on a stage trying to give you an illustration sermon. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. Your life is a vapor. It's a little while. And there's those of us in here right now that are going, thank you, Lord. Because it's not forever. One day I'm going to exit this body. And there's other of us in here, how could you talk like that? Death is horrible. No, 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 I don't, I don't want to die. I'm afraid to die. Hate me if you want to hate me. It's okay. It's for a good cause. You're going to die. You're going to die one day. This is not me preaching doom and gloom. It's a reality. Face your reality. You will die. So that's why you can't love the things that are dying, because they will disappoint. We're talking about something much greater. Amen. Watch this. Mercy of God, have your way. What time do I have, by the way? Okay. Watch this. Verse 7. These trials will show what? That your faith is genuine or real. Your trials show whether or not you depend on God. Seriously. Your trials show whether or not you turn to God or yourself. And that's not to bring condemnation in here. This should bring hope. It should bring hope to know that there's a God to turn to, that you don't have to turn to yourself. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory. Watch this. It will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Now, many times I've read this and and I've misunderstood it and I've seen other misunderstand this. It's not going to bring you glory or you praise or you honor. What it's going to do when you endure all these hardships. Anybody ever been through like a really hard time and came out on the other side and was like it was it turned to the good? What good is a victory without the potential of defeat? I mean, what, what, what good would it be to turn to God if there wasn't true evil in the world? That's like playing house when you're a kid and, you know, they're just plastic dolls. But in your mind, you think they're real. No, the reality of it is, is that because you were born into sin, 
And because you have temptation and because you have trial and because you have a flesh, that when Jesus comes and he comes for the people he chose, you will give him glory. So when it says you will be given glory, it's like a glory to give. There's going to be such a glory to give out of you, like glory to God. He kept me, right? Praise God, it's real. Because <laughs> if it's not real, I'm going to be mad. I know I've said this, but I, I would be so upset if we started a church and did all these things only for it to be fake. You know how mad I'm going to be? The reality of it is it's not fake. It's real. And on that day, all of us who are saved, called by God, given his spirit, all of us, we're going to have much praise. It'll bring me a praise in my heart where I go, glory to God. Hallelujah. It's going to give me a glory, much glory. And it's going to make me honor God with all that I am. All that I am on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. You love him even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. Amen? Amen. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. I'm not going to continue reading because I'm almost done. The foundation of mercy is what we just read. You could go back and reread that. It's not a lot of scriptures. There's just so much in there, right? But it's the plan of God for your life. It's the plan of God for your life, not for those who don't have Christ. I'm sorry. I wish I, there's a part of me wish, that wishes that message was different, but I know that that part of me, has anybody ever felt like that? Like there was a part of you that's like, man, I wish it wasn't this way. Anybody ever felt like that? Like, I wish it wasn't like this. Like, I wish there wasn't really a hell. Trust me, any, anybody who's a believer and knows the glory of God, like you wish there wasn't really a hell. It'd be such an easier process to talk to people if hell wasn't real. But it is real. Just like sin, it'd be easier to talk to people about their problems if we didn't call it sin. <laughs> if it was just depression or if it was just anxiety or if it was just unbelief, it's sin. It's different. So it'd be easier to have that. And I know, but I want to I show you something. I want to show you something. That, that that feeling, I wish it was different, doesn't come from God. God does not wish it was different. Matter of fact, God doesn't wish. He, he's not on this side of heaven like hope. He knows. He's all-knowing, right? He knows. He doesn't, he's not weighing things like, hmm, like a man. Hmm, my might work. He knows. So that thought process, I wish it was different, doesn't come from God, man. You know where it comes from? The flesh. And you know why it comes from the flesh? It has to come from the flesh. Because when Eve fell in the garden, it was so th the reason why she fell was because the, the devil convinced her that the reason why God didn't want her to eat the fruit was because she would be like God. So there was a desire to be like God. What does it mean to have a desire to be like God? To be in control. And you are not in control. Anybody ever been in a car accident? That wasn't your fault. <laughs> You're not in control. My mother was not in control of her cancer. My, my mother was not in control of her cancer because she was using a product that didn't have a warning label on it. And because of that product, she got cancer. 
So she was not in control of her cancer. Nobody told her it was even potential that she would get cancer by using it over the 20-something years that she used it. So where was her control in that? Truth is, we're not in control in that desire of, I wish it was different. Man, I feel the Lord right now. There's chains breaking right now. I wish it was different. It comes from the flesh because it comes from the fallen nature of wanting to be God and wanting to be in control. Because what you're actually saying when you say, I wish it were different, is you're saying God's way isn't good enough. What you're actually saying is that God messed up and he made a mistake and he's like man and he, he could have done it different. And you think you are, are better than God? That, you, that your way would have been better? No, 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 no. God's way. So now here we are. You know, some of us came in here today. And I know just to, just to let you know, we don't do altar calls here. So this isn't the buildup. We're, we're not going to bring somebody up on the keys and play and try to get you emotionally involved here. Either you have been impacted by the message and it has pricked your heart and you are already turning to God or you're not. And nothing I say or do will lead you to that place. Only God can lead you there. Point blank, period. But here we are. You've come in today. You've come in for different reasons. Some of us have worries and cares. Others don't have any. Others don't have any. You're like, you really just came maybe to support the baptism. Maybe, maybe you just came to support the baptisms. It doesn't matter. The truth has come to you. And you came thinking you were in control. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do that. When God has lured you by his divine will through the relationships that are in your life and through the loyalties you think you have, and he has positioned you in a place where now all of that gets pushed aside and he says, me and you. Because when you go home, you will not forget this message. You're going to lay down and try to shake it off and it's like, oh, because the spirit of God came to you. Now, I want you to know, if you need prayer, we have it. We'll pray with you. That's fine if you want that. But really what matters most is that you turn to the Lord. After you turn to the Lord, you'll understand prayer. You'll understand all the other things that come with living for God. But even now I'm quickened and I'm going to close. I'm quickened. There's somebody that's either watching or in here. There's somebody in here that you've been a Christian for a really long time. You really think you know. As a matter of fact, you don't fully agree with what I'm saying. It's okay. You don't need to agree with me. Just don't disagree with God. Turn to the Lord. Let him convict your heart. Let this message sit in. For the men, don't have egos. Don't, don't let your machismo rob you from what God wants. Don't let your arrogance rob you from what God wants. What you think manhood is, he will squash you. God will strike you down. He is way more strong than we are. And I would not test him in that. For the ladies, let go of control. It is in your fallen nature to want to control everything. Seriously, that's one of the curses that came on the woman. God said you will want your man, you will want your husband, you will want to control and rule over him. You, and you will, man, we love you guys. I love my wife. Been married 18 years. And she still got those little heartstrings that she pulls on every once in a while. I'm like, hey, that's the flesh. Stop. 
But Paul said it, you'd be divided between pleasing God and pleasing your wife. And then he put it in the wife to want to rule over the husband. That's why there's so, there's so much turmoil because you can't control your husband no matter how hard you try. Anybody ever been successful at controlling their man? I mean, really? And if they do, you know you, that ain't the type of man you want. You, you ain't, you, you, don't, you don't want a waiter. You don't want a waiter. You don't want a man that rolls over, you know. You want him to fight. But God is, he's pulling out the truth in you. He's saying to you, for the men, he's saying to you, stop being arrogant. Stop being arrogant. Don't think you know it all. Stop trying to fix your life. Surrender to the Lord. And for the women, he's saying, stop trying to control everything because I'm in control. So, Father, we come before you. We thank you for your word today. We pray, Father, that there be freedom in this place. We pray that you would not let anybody who is called by you and drawn by you sleep, Father God. Wake them up and disturb them, Lord. Make it to where they can't even drive. They got to pull over in order to have a conversation with you. Father, I pray for divine intervention right now. And we surrender everything else to you, Father. I pray over the baptisms today that they go according to your will. And we pray for your, your presence and your guidance in Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. Amen.